everyone and welcome to episode three of Ladies Who League. Hope you enjoyed last week's episode. We've got a blockbuster planned for you this morning. Uh, joining me in the studio this morning is my friend Pam Wiley from Fox Sports. Good morning, Pam. Good morning. How is everyone? Very well. How are you going? Uh, re- really well, actually. Um, yeah, it was a little bit of a trek to get here in this sweaty Sydney weather, but it was nice. We're very appreciative <laughs> to have you in the studio. Thanks for coming. No worries at all. Uh, so I've got the paper out. Um, is there anything that's caught your eye in, in the paper this morning? Well, there's lots of things, actually. It's pretty exciting um, that the footy is just around the corner. Five but... sleeps to go. Yes, exactly. So there's lots and lots of news, which is nice to see. But um, I was looking at this one story written by Nick Walshaw, who is a favourite of mine. He um, has written about this young prop who plays for Ningen, or oh, the Ningen Tigers, and he travels 400Ks for a game of footy, and that's his home games. 400 kilometres, like that is... That's further from here to Canberra. Yeah. So that's commitment. He's a obviously a young country rugby league player. So he's here for the, let me see, Country Rugby League Pathways and Development Camp. What's his Narbonne. name? His name is Ray Simmons. Okay. So Ray Simmons, everyone. Keep an eye on him this year and maybe he's got a Twitter account and we can give him a mass following by the end of today's show. <laughs> big shout out to Ray Simmons. Good on you, mate. There you go. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, the other big news to come out of this week uh, is Parramatta and Anthony Watmo, who may have to retire uh, this mm-hmm. year because of his his ongoing knee problems, and there's a big story on that this year, mm-hmm. um, this week, sorry, in the paper. Um, what's interesting, though, is if the, if Watmo goes, that that money's not actually going to come out of Parramatta's salary cap, and we know that Parramatta's been having ongoing salary cap issues over the last, you know, six months. Mm-hmm. Um maybe that money can be used to bring a certain someone home from the United States. That's what is thought. I mean, it seems pretty logical, doesn't it? I mean, um, there was lots of talk about, obviously we're talking about Jared Hayne here for those who are not in the know. Um, But yeah, there was lots of talk about whether or not he would come back at the end of last season Mm -hmm. um, because he kind of struggled a little bit. Well, maybe not struggled isn't the right word, but um, it was up and down. It was kind of better than expected for a season in the NFL, I guess. But, um, yeah, so perhaps he could, depending on what he does this year, I mean, he might be just means back. the money's free. Yeah. A lot of people ask me actually how I feel about Jared Hayne as a Parramatta supporter. And I always say that, you know, he was my boy in blue and gold. I watched him from when he was 18 years old and I watched mm-hmm. him grow up into this incredible footballer. And the reality was that when he went over to the NFL, it was clear that he wasn't chasing money. Like there was no guarantee that he was going to succeed. Yeah. And I've been so proud to watch him over there. Like while he had a couple of ups and downs last year, I think he really did a lot better than everyone expected. Yeah. The only way I would be angry with Jared is if he came back and played for another team. And went somewhere else. Absolutely. Yeah. Especially the Roosters. If you see Par- <laughs> if you see Jared Hayne in a Roosters jersey. I'm just going to lose it. We'll have to record a podcast that night. I'd go nuts. I don't think you're alone there. I think that most Eels fans would feel pretty pretty betrayed. But um, I think, yeah, when he went over there, he did win a lot of fans that, that maybe were not Eels supporters or not New South Wales mm-hmm. supporters particularly. But um, just taking that leap, I think it was it was so courageous. And 
we've talked extensively about it all, but yeah, I think he did win a lot of fans. So I think people would be happy to see him back in the NRL. And if he came back to Para, then that would just be the cherry on the top. It sure would be. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you're going to buy the paper, make sure that you do, because there's a really big guide on the NRL season, which I've just realized was in the paper now. So in-depth analysis of all the teams, try and do your top eights, because I'm having a lot of trouble, Pam, picking Who's going to fall out of my top eight this year? Yeah, that's the thing is picking who's going to miss out. I mean, there's so many teams that uh, are expected to improve that if you put that – so teams like, you know, the Raiders, the Warriors, Mm -hmm. the Eels, um, Manly, obviously, Mm -hmm. if you – if you slot them into the top eight somewhere, someone has to miss out exactly. as well. So, you know, a lot of people are predicting that the Rabbitohs aren't going to make the top eight, but then that's pretty dangerous. Yep. Um, the Roosters are another team like that. Exactly right, yeah. And some people are finding it hard to find a place for the Bulldogs, but a Des Hasler coach team is not going to miss out on the final. So it's, yeah, it's a tough – and plus you've got to fit the Broncos, the Cowboys, you know. Melbourne. Yep, exactly right. So – it is. The sharks, yep. dare I say, the sharks. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. So it's a it's a tough task to name your top eight, but if you if anyone wants to give it a go, if you give it a go process. and you send it in a tweet to me and you get it right, I will buy you a prize for the end of the NRL season. How's that? Oh, look incentives. out! Incentives. <laughs> what kind of prize are we talking here? Oh, I might have sure. to send a few tweets. What, what what sort of prize do you think it should be, Pam? Give me some hints. If someone gets it right, mm, let me think. Because that's tough, right? That's pretty tough. So I think tough. it should be a good prize. Yeah. Maybe like a a jersey? Look, I will get you your team's jersey and I will find a player to sign it. I cannot guarantee which player that will be, but I will find <laughs> you a player to sign that jersey. A current player. Or yes. are we talking like <laughs> an ex-player? <laughs> I'll find you a current player. To sign that jersey. How's that? That sounds great. All right. I'm going to be shooting off a few tweets. So if anyone else wants to join in and challenge me, that's awesome. Otherwise, (laughs) it'll be Pam's jersey. Fingers crossed. All right. Well, we might wrap it up there because there is so much to talk about this morning. Uh, We'll take a quick break and come back and talk about Rugby Sevens. And we're back, ready to talk about the Rugby Sevens. I think we'll start with the girls who are just in such fantastic form heading into Rio. Uh, they defeated Canada 29-0 in the final on Monday in quite interesting conditions. Uh, to talk to us about last weekend, we've got Jill Scanlon on the line. Good morning, Jill. Morning, Mary. How are you? Really well. How are you going? Yeah, good, good. Enjoying a lot of uh, rugby and a lot of different football. We're getting back into the seasons I'm now. I'm so excited. There's just so much to talk about. <laughs> um, let's start with the girls. Again, in mm. tremendous form, 29-0. They are looking so yeah. red hot ahead of Rio. Yeah, it's a, it was a uh, very good result. Given that Canada um, is one of their arch rivals over the last year or so, Canada, New Zealand and Australia have been the top three by a long way up until this season. And so it wasn't unusual to find them in the final, although Canada didn't have a great hit out in Dubai. But uh, it was a really... It was a really good tournament for Canada. They made it to the final and then, uh, yeah, the, I don't know whether it was the conditions as well because the heavens opened over the semi-final and the final. It was crazy, and, that uh, weather. Oh, it just, back, I gather it, that's the way in that part of the world. Once the heavens <laughs> opened, it just, the, just watching it, the, the rain was huge. It was just so heavy. But um, in a post-match interview, uh, Shannon Parry, who's the acting captain for the girls for Australia, said uh, they most teams have a wet weather plan. They have a wet weather game plan. And basically she said, no, we 
all teams we both we both have worked with a game plans and we put ours into action and it worked. So I thought, well, that pretty much says it really. They knew what they were doing; it didn't bother them, and they dealt with it the best. The twenty nine nil is probably a surprise. It just shows how well the Australians did play in that in those conditions, um, and how well they were played defensively. They just didn't let the Canadians near a, near the line. It was great. I think for me, Elia Green again was just the standout <laughs> of the tournament. So she's now top try scorer of the World Women's Sevens with I think it's. 15 tries in two tournaments? Yes. Yeah, she's um, she's doing outstandingly well. I mean, when you think there are six games over a weekend, um, she's doing outstandingly well. And um, I think it's like we've discussed before, she is the standout, except that when you look at sevens and particularly the Australian team, everyone contributes. And that's the nature of the game of the sport of sevens. You have to contribute. Everyone on that park has to contribute. So there are so many names. Charlotte Kaslick was named player of the of the match. She was named um, player of the yeah, player of the final. Uh, she was fantastic. And Avania Polite is also very, very good. And at the end of the sevens tournaments, they name the dream team. World Rugby names their dream team. And you have seven players, obviously, in the dream team. And there were two Australians, typically, two Australians, two New Zealanders, two Canadians, uh, and the captain of the USA team. And the USA team played brilliantly, Gillian Potter. So you look at it and you think, oh... Avani Polite and Charlotte Kaslick were our outstanding players who made the dream team. You think, I can think of at least three other players I could have put in there as well. But you, think, you can't have it being all an Australian team. So, And it's the same for all the teams. So it's interesting that Elia didn't get into the dream team, but it doesn't under, understate the fact that uh, Barney Polite and Charlotte Kaslick well-deserved to be in the dream team. So, yeah, Elia played brilliantly, but they all just put in so well. It's They really do work like a smooth-running, well-oiled machine. They're just incredible. So the girls, again, another tremendous performance. So they'll next feature in Atlanta. But I also yep. wanted to um, have a quick chat about Las Vegas, which is coming up this weekend mm. for the men's. Um, the biggest news, I think, is that Quade yeah. Cooper has been named in the 12-man squad, and this will probably be the first time he'll be wearing the Australian Sevens jersey. Oh, yeah, definitely. Look, this is... I, I, I have particular opinions on this, and I don't necessarily want to express them. <laughs> That's but okay. There, um, Quaid is, it's an interesting thing and I don't think, at some point he had to dip his toe in the water and Andy Friend is the new coach and at some point the coaching team had to decide to give him a run. Um, it, it perhaps would only happen this way with someone of Quaid's calibre, I guess, of, of his, mm-hmm. um, name with his name because uh, he's never played this sport before and while he is a very obviously an outstanding rugby player sevens is a different game so to bring someone in who has never played the game before he's not trained very much with the team he got here for Sydney didn't play in Sydney obviously because he'd only just arrived and he was only going to dip his toe in there if he did make it in time Um, he then went back to France so he's been back since Sydney, he's been back to France and then back here and he's trained with the boys. So I think Andy Friend had to put him in the team and I think it's it's time he went in just to stop all the discussion and the, the speculation. He needs to go in, he needs to get a bit of a run around. He won't, I don't imagine he'll get a lot of match time, but he'll get a run around. It's going to be very interesting. It's definitely an experiment because the nature of sevens is, and we saw this in Sydney, the team that played in Sydney in the men's was... Um, their long-held core team who all know each other incredibly well, who all know each other's mindsets and, and implicitly know the way each other think and what the combinations are between the players. And this is something Quade's going to have to learn very quickly and it may not necessarily work. And in looking at the team that they've selected, you've got to remember all the men's sevens go in double-headers, so 
they've not only got Las Vegas, they've then got uh, Vancouver the week after that up in Canada. So they pick the squads to take looking at having them play both weekends. So leaving the out of this squad are uh, Lewis Holland and James Stannard, who played brilliantly, were outstanding in Sydney. They're not in this squad. We've got another couple of newcomers and a couple of former players who have been out for various reasons, rested or injury, who are coming back in. So it would be lovely to have high expectations off the back of Sydney. And this is a good squad. They can play well. But again, it's a mixture and it's a different combination. And Quaid is in there. And Quaid will probably play the role of either Lewis Holland, I can't see him playing James Stannard's role because it's a very significant leading role on the pitch. So it's going to be interesting. It'll be He has to have been put in. They have to try him out at some point, but it's going to be interesting to see how he goes. For sure. Um, so we've got the men, we've got the women, and now we've got the super rugby as well. So yeah. what a performance last night by the Brumbies, 52-10 oh. over the Hurricanes. Where did that come they, from? They could not be happier, I'm sure. And the uh, Stephen Larkin, the coach, has come out and said, this is the year they have to make a point. He's He's been referring to it, and it's been in the media this week, as they've been sitting in a championship window. So they've come close over the last few years. They've had a really good squad. They've done well. They've gotten close, like always the bridesmaids. They've never quite reached it. And now they've got a few players leaving at the end of the season. There's a bit of a transition coming up, I think, everyone's seeing into the future. Stephen Moore's going to the Reds next year and Matt is going over uh, to Europe. So they're looking at this is the year. If they're going to make this statement and they've all they've been close but not close enough, this is the year they have to do it. And they certainly came out and did it last night. And, of course, you know, the issue of David Pocock again played well last night and, and, and he's a bit up in the air as to what he's going to be doing into the, into the next season and at the end of this season. So oh, I think they did brilliantly last night in really drawing a line under what their intentions are this season. I agree, Jill, and I have to say that I've never been an avid follower of the rugby, but David Pocock... I think he's my dream man, truly. Like what? And what? And Pam's <laughs> yeah. looking at me and smiling and giggling. I think she's agreeing yeah, with you. I agree with you. Round. Okay, so I, a but friend he really of, is the all-round athlete, isn't he? Yeah. I know he sure is. <laughs> Pam, sorry, are you going to jump in? No, yeah. So a friend of mine is a just a huge Brumbies fan, and then on the only really reason that I knew any of this was kind of happening last night was he shared. Dad said probably about 15 things on Facebook, just Brumby's updates. Just he was so excited and a lot of them featured Pocock, so that was fun. Look, I think men love him, <laughs> women love him, children love him. Oh, he's why just, not? He's the best. Yeah. <laughs> um, Jill, just before we let you go, I've got to ask yep. about tonight's game. So we've got the Waratahs and the Reds. Who do you think will yep. win? Uh, look, this is going to be interesting um, because – the Tars have got uh, Bernard Foley out, so Kirtley Beale's come in to play a significant uh, role. But the coach is saying, well, I've seen a lot out of him. He's matured a lot over the off-season, and I'm, he's convinced me enough to give him more responsibility and to put him out there. So I think that'll be interesting. I think the Tars may have it over the Reds. It'll be interesting see, to see what the Reds do, but I, I have a feeling the Waratahs might um, pull this off. It'll be interesting to see mainly around how, how Kirtley Beale performs in that role that is normally Bernard Foley's. That is the correct answer. We are in New South Wales here in Sydney. The Waratahs are the right answer. Thank you, Jill. Um, we might actually leave it there because there is so much sport to talk about. But thanks, Jill. We'll definitely have you on in the next couple of weeks to talk about the men, the women, the super rugby and everything else happen- happening in rugby land. Oh, look, there is just always something happening. I'm more than happy to have a chat anytime, Mary. Thank you very much for having me. Thanks, Pam. Thanks, thanks Jill. Jill.
And we're back. Uh, plenty to talk about in sport this week. So joining us, fresh from her experience learning how to fight with a lightsaber, is Kaya Hanley from ABC. Hello. How are you? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. That sounds like I'm much more nerdy than I actually am. I was just... Uh watching people fight with lightsabers and taking video. <laughs> that is so awesome. There were some really good pictures of you on Facebook enjoying yeah, that look, experience. And, you know, a great way to get other people into sport. So it, it's quite – they were all sweating by the end of it, learning how to, to fight with each other. So I guess, you know, any way to get people into sport, I say. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, Kyra, I know you love your cricket, so I thought we'd start off with a bit of a chat about that. Um, so the Southern Stars – Australia won by six wickets this week to claim the Rose Bowl for the 16th consecutive year. Meg Lanning in such fine form. She brought up her second century for the series and she's now got, you know, eight one-day international centuries from just 45 innings. What a superstar. Oh, absolutely. And isn't it just amazing that we know this at the moment, that it's, it's hitting the back pages of newspapers, that it's all over social media, it's on Twitter, it's just inspiring the next generation of female cricketers as well. Um, it's just really exciting to see the women who are not only performing really well but getting their time in, in, the, in the spotlight as well. Completely agree. So I think that was my favourite thing about the WBBL. Going in, I think, you know, very few Australians would have known more than maybe one or two Australian female cricketers. And now, you know, these are names that people are beginning to recognise. The girls are getting recognised on the streets and people are actually wanting to talk about how they're performing on the field. It's just going from strength to strength. And I think we'll only see that improve as well. I think that next year in WNBL, uh, WBBL number two, we're going to see hopefully more sponsorship, maybe more international players as well get involved. But it's also rubbing off on the grassroots level. I know recently in um, Bathurst in central west New South Wales, there was a, a high school girls cricket championship and it was all they could talk about was when they play for a WBBL side and what it now means for them as young cricketers and how exciting it is for them to be able to, I guess, have this as a, a career dream now rather than just a sport they play. And I think that's a real testament to what Cricket Australia have done with the women and the women themselves for, for sticking it out and getting to this point. Yeah, I completely agree. Now, while the women are doing so well. I also have to mention the men who are now ranked number one in the world in test cricket again. It's taken them sort of 18 months to get to this point. Um, big props to Captain Steve Smith, who has now led Australia to nine test wins from his first 11 matches. And a very quick mention to Adam Vogues, who's now has like a Don Bradman style average of 95.9. Incredible. It truly is, and it shows that that period of rebuild that we went through when that awesome team sort of all started to retire has really paid off. So it's been 18 months of rebuilding, of finding the form, of finding the players that fit, a couple of new captains as well, and here we are, number one in the world. We'll take it. Woohoo, I'll enjoy that. It's, it's very rare that <laughs> – actually, do you know what? I was about to say it's very rare that teams that I support are, are number one, but – Maybe the tide is turning, like the Sydney Thunder, both BBL, WBBL, the Parramatta Eels winning the nines. Mary, look, I think you just need to be realistic here. (laughs) (laughs) Pam, let me have my moment. Okay. My moment, there's so few and far between. (laughs) I'm sorry. Um, A topic that I I wouldn't normally chat about, but it's been in the papers for the last two weeks, UFC, Ronda Rousey and Holly Holm. Um, 
the reaction really has been in relation to Holmes' reaction to Rousey's comments following her interview on the Ellen DeGeneres show. Did you catch that interview, Pam? Yeah, it was. Uh, I didn't. I didn't really know how to feel about it. I felt very. I felt obviously felt very sorry for her. Um, and it was kind of a confronting thing to wa- to watch someone kind of break down in that way and and take take a loss so. Mm. Uh, so to heart, I mean, and in front of, in front of, you know, millions and millions of people across the world, but, um, and then Holly Holmes, Holly Holmes, sorry, just kind of saying, um, that she didn't really feel or she couldn't really relate to it. It's, it's kind of a, a back and forth thing, but in some respects, I guess she was just saying, I deal with things, um, different mentally. So when Mm -hmm. she's lost fights before and has said, look, I lost. And that's it. And you just have to accept it. Whereas I think Ronda Rousey was, she was saying, I'm still undefeated. So it's, uh, it's just a, it's a weird thing, isn't it? You just, I feel like you just kind of have to come to terms with it in whatever way makes you feel comfortable. And if you, you, if you're never comfortable with it, then how, how, I don't know how she's going to kind of get back in the ring and then be able to face another loss like what what happens then you know it's a it's a slippery slope yeah absolutely yeah. because you know defeat is something that everyone needs to learn about yeah in whatever sort of walk of life you're, you're going exactly. through it's life and I found Holly's comments you know quite grown up actually because yeah. learning to deal with loss and you know what can I learn from this and how can I come back and be better is yeah is I think the best possible attitude that you can have so. yeah exactly right so I think that um I think the initial headlines were kind of like, oh, she has no sympathy for her, but I don't, that's, that was kind of a little bit of a, a, Mm -hmm. you know, it wasn't really the right context for it. But I think that, yeah, she did have some pretty wise things to say about just admitting, uh, just admitting that you're a human being, that you have, that you make mistakes, that you did perhaps didn't approach a fight in the right way or Mm -hmm. approach something in your life the right way. And, um, you know, Everyone has been through things like that and I think it's you just have to, yeah, accept it, move on and try and be better next time. Absolutely. I also think it's a, a really interesting insight into the mind of an athlete. Like she's working every day, you know, however many hours. This is what she puts her her everything in. And for, for her, as she was saying to, to Ellen, that, it, you know, she put a lot of who she was into winning that title. Yeah. And so in that initial loss, it was like, well, who's going to care? No one's going to love me. I'm now nothing because for forever she'd been Ronda Rousey world champion mm-hmm. and now she was, now she wasn't. And so I think it's about us as fans also taking a step back and realizing that they put so much into this. And it's that split second moment where she then had that moment where she saw her partner standing in the doorway and she was like, right, no, I am more than a world champion. I am more than a title, but in that split second afterwards, it felt like everything that she constantly works towards on a daily basis had just fallen apart. And, you know, that, that would be a crushing feeling. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And in, and that's the thing is that, that, that's how she kind of defined herself. And I feel like that's how she thought everyone defined her as well as just, yeah, a world champion, undefeated world champion. So hopefully that there'll be some lessons for her going forward and and she'll be able to find a little bit more of her identity in things that, you know, aren't simply centered around her high profile as an athlete. Yeah. I think it's the same. I think it's for everyone though. I think that when she lost it, um, it was just kind of a, a, a life lesson or I don't know if it was a life lesson for everyone, but there was, mm. there's things that you can take out of it that you can definitely relate to. So, um, yeah, it's a, 
it was potentially a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, the next thing that I want to have a quick chat about were the WNBL finals that are happening this weekend. So last week we were still waiting to find out who the fourth team was and now it's been confirmed that, you know, the Perth Lynx, the SEQ Stars, the Townsville Fire and the Dandenong Rangers will be playing. Tonight we've got an elimination final between uh, Dandenong and the Stars and on Sunday we've got Townsville to hosting the Lynx. Um, there have been some really good stories to come out of this WNBL final series, which we'll chat about in the coming weeks. But I think um, what's interesting to me is that three weeks ago the Stars were, were in jeopardy because they were placed into liquidation. Uh, can they finish off the season with a fairy tale? Everyone loves a fairy tale, right? Well, every, exactly. Everyone likes a fairy tale, mm-hmm. so <laughs> why not? I mean, it's, I think it's dangerous to write off anything. Yeah, absolutely. So four teams to go. Um, by the end of this weekend, someone will have been eliminated and we'll be edging closer to finding out who's um who's going to be our new WNBL finalist. Exactly. Um, and finally, just one more thing I wanted to mention is that we may have our first female AFL umpire this year, uh, Eleni Glufters. I think that's how you pronounce her name. I'll have to get that right. Eleni G. Eleni G, I like yeah. that. It's a little bit gangster. Um, Eleni G is one of 12 rookies on the AFL's umpire list. So if there's an injury this year, we'll see her on the field. Is it wrong to hope for an injury? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Not a serious one. You know, maybe just a, maybe just a calf strain or, or something like that. Nothing, nothing too intense, but anything to see, you know, the game growing a little bit further as well. I think as a fan, that's really exciting. What about the flu? Someone to just yeah. get, you know, a cold that, that day. Bout of the man flu. Yeah, yeah, there we go. All right. Yeah. Bout of the man flu, which we know can knock people out for, <laughs> you know, weeks on end. <laughs> Bit of man flu. Well, and in a Melbourne winter, in a Melbourne winter, it's totally possible. <laughs> exactly. And then we'll see Eleni G take the field. <laughs> Uh, so keeping an eye on all those things. Um, now, we've talked enough about other sport. It's time to talk rugby league. We'll take a quick break so I can compose myself and we'll be back soon. Five sleeps to go. That's all it is, everyone. And everybody's favourite sport, or at least my favourite sport, uh, <laughs> will be back this week. NRL is back in action. Uh, there's plenty to talk about. Kai, I want to start with you. Last week we had Dennis Carnahan on the show and he was tossing up whether he should go to Orange to watch the Raiders play the Knights in a trial. Someone that didn't, did. someone that didn't think about it, but actually actioned it was you. Tell us, how was it? Yeah. Oh, it was, it was fabulous. Um, so I am a, a proud Orange resident and I just love when the football comes to the country. I think there's nothing better. And for us, in the Central West, even though we might be sort of, I guess, kind of rugby union territory, we all really love our league and the community really rallies behind the teams that come. So the Knights and Raiders spent, I think, a number of days before the the sport, they, before the game on Saturday, they both arrived on about Tuesday or Wednesday, went to run clinics, went to school visits. And so by the time the game, the game came around, the city was really buzzing. There were lines out the gate, grandstands were full. I think around um, 7,500 people all up were at the game. And it was it was a great game of football. It, you know, it's a cliche to say it was a game of two halves, but it, <laughs> it really, really was because the first half, the Raiders had the majority of the ball. They capitalised every chance they got. I reckon you could count on one hand how many times the Knights touched the ball. The playbook looked like it was together. They were well-practiced. Raiders fans were loving it. Went into halftime 34-6. to six, And then 
Oh, I don't know what I don't know what happened at halftime. If the Raiders sat down, the Raiders most of pulled off all players. the yeah best players. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. That's what happened. And it was com- completely different. Canberra Valley touched the ball. Knights had got it together. Trent Hodkinson even got a, a couple of touches in his new strip, of course, playing for the Knights. And the final score ended up being thirty-four to twenty-eight, with the Raiders just holding on, but not scoring a point in the second half. So, it it, it was a true trial match, I guess. You know that. Um, Speaking to Nathan Brown before the game, he really did say that they were going to try out a lot of their their new players, that their final starting side for, for round one is still very up in the air. So he was seeing it as a really good opportunity to try a few things out. I think Canberra were happy with their first half and, as you said, pulled the, pulled the most of the senior players off in the second half. But for fans of, of rugby league in the Central West, it was just really exciting. Great crowd, some great tries. Um Lots of people walking around in all sorts of, you know, footy teams, jerseys, but all there having a great time on the game. And uh, there's nothing better than when footy comes to the country. And I think it really inspires the players as well. And we'll make the Raiders excited to come back a little bit later this year, 30th of April, they play Penrith uh, for a, a home and away game at, in Bathurst. So footy should come to the country more often, I say. I completely agree. So just to wrap up on that, Game of two halves, full credit yep. to the boys, put in for 80 minutes. Is, is that the general? <laughs> no, put in, put in for 40 minutes. Each team put in for a solid 40 minutes. Um, they gave 110%. So, yeah, that's right. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, no injuries, but which I think is, you know, quite remarkable given this preseason has been a little bit damaging both at the nines and just in training, it seems. So no major injuries coming out of that. Tread hunt. Trent Hodkinson pulled up well, looked quite good out there in the uh, the New South Wales mining strip for the uh, the Knights. So I think uh, there's been some hard preseason done by both teams, and I think both of them are ones to watch in you know next week. Fingers crossed. Um, I also wanted to mention so the NRL season launch was officially on Thursday, and I was lucky enough to be there. I'm just absolutely loving the NRL's new marketing campaign. So for those of you who haven't seen it yet, it's hashtag history happens. And what the NRL is focusing on this year, rather than having a gimmicky song, which I haven't really loved in the past, (laughs) um, they're focusing entirely on what is the most important part of the game and, and that's the fans. So they've got all this raw fan footage that they've collected and, you know, it's shaky. There are people screaming and, and the footage is all about Jonathan Thurston and that final sort of five minutes of the grand final, which we all remember last year. It, it, it's spine tingling. Like, I'm just so excited. I know. I think it's just um, – so they've done this in the past few years. So I think um, it kind of started in 2014. They invited members from each club to the launch. Um, and then they've had – I think last year they had – um, you know, I am Rabbitohs, I am Eels, I am mm. blah, blah, blah. So, you know, they're really trying to throw the focus, um, back on the fans and, and, um, you know, kind of they, they are the heart and soul of the game, ah. I guess. So, um, yeah, it really is. I love any of these videos I though. Know. I just find, oh, they're just so inspiring. They give me goosebumps all the time. I, I'm a sucker for that. And stuff, even the so. Jonathan Thurston, like, I know what's going to happen, yep. but I still put my hands on my head. I still cover my eyes when he misses that penalty goal attempt. It, it, yeah, I just love it. Yeah, I love it. Me too. Um, and Kai, I just wanted your thoughts. The other thing that was really exciting for me this week was the announcement that there's going to be an NRL float at the Mardi Gras. 
Yeah, I love this. Like, it's just great for the game. It's another exposure. It shows how open we are, I guess, how much it's changed. It's something the fans can get behind. Maybe bring some new fans into the game as well, Mm -hmm. which is always good. So, you know, good on them. That's what I say. And, I mean, my dad asked me the other day what my favourite thing about rugby league is. And I think one of my favourite things is that sport is just so powerful and really has the ability to drive and influence change in our communities. So to see the NRL really step up in this regard, I mean, a year ago, Paul Langmack was the only representative from the rugby league community on the anti-homophobia in sport float. And this, you know, we flash forward one year later and the NRL has its own float. I just, Mm. I love it. I really do. It really is amazing. And I think Paul Langmack needs to be really credited for the work that he's done there too. So I think he's been kind of the driving force behind it. Um, And... You know, hopefully they can get some some players involved. I think, yeah. You know, get get into it. Like, yeah. what, are, what are we waiting for? Let's just be inclusive. I think, um, and so start not? that conversation exactly within the right. game. Exactly, yeah. Mary. I think use it as that that starting point to have that bigger conversation and let kids know that it's all right. Let adults know that it's all right. That you know, NRL is open and accepting, and you're not going to have some of those horror stories that we hear from you know, footy over the past. Mm-hmm. Exactly right. So I think the struggle with the players is, I think, because it's the first round, they're mm-hmm. targeting Parramatta Reels players. They're also yeah. targeting Broncos players because they'll have obviously already played. Also yeah. the Bulldogs and the Sea Eagles. From memory, Mario Fennec's going to be on the float. Yeah. It's going to, you know, be green astroturf. There's going to be footy pose. <laughs> it's going to be rainbow. Yeah. Cheerleaders. I think there's going to be a Tina t- Turner. Oh, yeah. yeah the- a lookalike or something like that. Go, girl. Yeah, love it. Great. I can't wait for that float. <laughs> I love it. Looking forward to it. Um, so we might take another quick break and then we'll come back and do a quick preview of what's going to happen next week in the footy. Now, Thursday the 3rd of March is a very special day. Uh, not only is it the day that Parramatta take on the Broncos at Pertec Stadium and I finally get to go home after several months. But it is also my birthday, so a big thank you to the NRL for scheduling Parramatta's first home game and the launch of the season on my birthday. Happy birthday for Thursday. Look, the Parramatta Reels have the capacity to either make or break the the day, so fingers crossed that that they perform well. No pressure. No. Pam, what do you think about that game? So we've got Parramatta taking on the Broncos. I think, think, honestly, their Parramatta are going to be – so much more improved this year. I really like the look of their team. Tick, that's a tick yeah. for you. You can come back. <laughs> yeah, she's beaming over there. Um, but I really, I really think they will. But um, on the other, on the other side of the coin is the Broncos, and they just looked schmicko in the World mm-hmm. Club series. So, um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really, really good game to open the season. Um, the Broncos have a lot to play for this year, and it. Yeah, I feel like it's just going to be an you know a classic game to open open the season. So I think it's going to be a good one too. So the Eels have recruited really well, and it's yeah. going to take a little while for those combinations to come into play. But I was happy with their performance at the Nines. Mm-hmm. Very happy. So well, you won the thing. So we if you weren't happy, I just with wanted it. you to say that again. <laughs> but the Broncos as well. I mean, we've got Anthony Milford 
and they're just going to be a lot better this year, I think, as well. I, I'm going to keep my eye on Ben Hunt this year, though. I'm hoping mm-hmm. that he bounces back strongly after the grand final last year. I'm sure he will. I mean, Me he's, a, he's a professional, so it's his that's his job, and mm-hmm. I'm sure that he's taken a you know a thousand balls over the off season. <laughs> so I think he'll be. I think he'll be fine. He'll just need to catch that first ball, um, and then it'll be ancient Sweet. history. So yeah, and then obviously adding James Roberts into the back line there is just. Uh, yeah. could they get any better? They, they, suddenly they have, and it's just, yeah. that's not, that's not really fair, is it? It could almost be a uh, battle of the best off-season buys with Kieran Four and taking yeah. on James Roberts, two excellent buys this season, uh, in the off-season. So I think it's going to be a really interesting game. And I think this is time for Yields to put their NRL lines money where their mouth is and let's see if they can actually bring it together on the the, big, the full-size footy field. Fingers crossed the answer to that question yeah. is yes. <laughs> so following that game, on Friday night, we've got the Bulldogs taking on the Sea Eagles. Kaya, what do you think on this one? Yeah, I think it's going to be um, interesting. Obviously, they both have had interesting off-seasons. Both uh a few injuries as well. Uh, of course, James Graham for the Bulldog, uh, yeah, for the Bulldogs, and Manly had a, a shocking run at the nine, mm-hmm. but. I think it'll be a tight game and I think it'll really show where each team is at, especially Manly with all the, the DCE drama in the off, uh, at the end of last year in the off-season. I think it'll be interesting to see what they've been able to put together um, over this period and what they can put together on the field. Um, David Clem is also suspended for this one and Brett Morris is out with his knee for about the first month as well. And I think is it mm. Jamie Burat is out with broken jaw too. So, um, yeah, there's a crazy number of injuries and suspensions for our one. So it'll be um, a few teams will be depleted, but this I, f- I feel like this one will be a- another great game. But it will be interesting to see how Manly play this year as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, they've got so many dynamic players in that team. Um, and finally, you know, their forward pack is, you know, unreal. So um, they can utilise that back line a little bit, but I th- feel like without – Without Brett Morris in the back line, the Bulldogs might struggle to mm-hmm. go forward if James Graham's not there, Dave Clemens not there. So, um, yeah. I'm predicting a big year for Daly Cherry Evans this year. So he's really going to have to take control of that manly team. Mm-hmm. He won't have Kieran Foran with him this year and I'm predicting big things from him this year. They're predicting that. So I've heard around the traps a little bit that if Dylan Walker performs to his best, mm-hmm. then he could be a smoky for the um, New South Wales 5-8. Okay. Yeah, so Bozo is a selector over there and I, f- I feel like he, um, yeah, is really, really keen to see how he's, he's going to play at Manly this year. And, and obviously he's a super talented guy. So if he does what he can do, if he really makes that 5-8 position his own, then then he we'll re- see what happens. Exactly right. And so. a new coach at Manly this year, so it'll yeah. be interesting to see how they react to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's been so many changes, so it would be hard to kind of get a good um, cohesive team on the field in round one. Mm-hmm. So it will. I feel like it will take a few weeks for them to be clicking and for everything to get into get into the swing of things. But that's the same with most teams. But yeah, as as we said with Manly, there's been so many changes. So um, I don't know. I feel like. Manly fans might need to be patient in the first few rounds and wait until, you know, things start clicking and things start gelling with them. I've been patient for many, many years. So Manly fans, you know, sit tight. (laughs) You can be patient for a couple of rounds. (laughs) Exactly. I thought we'd finish off with a couple of predictions. So I might go around the room and I'll ask a question and and we can all throw in our our predictions 
for the coming season and you know we'll see how many of them come true I probably predict that none of mine will be correct yep same. that's okay so <laughs> Pam I might start with you uh buy of the season uh Aiden Caesar I feel like, yeah, so uh, Blake Austin uh, was obviously unreal last year and then putting Aiden Caesar alongside him, I feel like that is going to be dynamite down at the Raiders. So I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how they go together. Mm-hmm. Kyle? I think one of the uh, the buys of the season will be Gold Coast Titans picking up Chris McQueen from the Rabbitohs. Okay. Um, I think it's a little bit, he's a little bit of an underdog in terms of everyone else talking about, of course, Kieran Foran, Isaac Luke and Hawkinson. But I think he really never showed his full potential at the Rabbitohs and he had some good signs in the nines that he's there to play good footy and find that origin uh, jersey that he wants. And for me, it's a toss-up between Kieran Foran and Isaac Luke. I thought I wasn't going to be too biased, but I think Isaac Luke is, is a really good pickup for the Warriors, so I'm looking forward to, to seeing how he performs there. Yeah, that could be the one thing that they've been missing for quite a while. Absolutely. Is, you know, um, uh, a hooker with his kind of calibre, so it could be the key. Uh, next one, young player to watch. Uh, Jaden Nikarima. Yep, good one. <laughs> yeah, so he's stepping, obviously stepping into huge shoes there at the Roosters and if he can, but he's a gun player as well, yeah, he so is. he's going to take that opportunity and, and run with it, I think. So, you know, all power to him. Kyle? I think Curtis Scott for Melbourne Storm, of course, Premier, uh, captain the Sharks in the National Youth Competition last year for the Premiership. He was the target of, I think, around 11 clubs last year before the Storm Security signature for that three-year deal. He uh, is used to playing in the centre, but I think he'll even pick up a starting jersey on the wing next week. Um, and the club's pretty excited about having him as well. They'll just need to watch. He gets a little bit aggro and it was known last year for a, a pretty impressive send-off. So I think they'll have to reel that in, but I think he'll be... Uh, one to watch, especially with Storm lacking some of those depth in the centres and wing after losing Kurt Mann to the Dragons and Matt Duffy to Rugby Union. So Curtis Scott for me at the Storm to watch this year. For me, I've also picked a rooster, so I've got two, Latrell Mitchell and Jackson Hastings. Um, the Roosters are a team that people have written off this year not to make mm-hmm. the eight. I think that's a really, really... It's a dangerous call. It's dangerous yeah. because the Roosters, while they might be mis- missing Mitchell Pearce and have a couple of injuries heading into the season, you, you just don't write the Roosters off. I don't think that's wise. And we haven't heard what the you know the penalty is going to be for Mitchell Pearce mm-hmm. yet either. So he could be back by the middle of the season. We don't know that. And you know Boyd Cordner and Rhea Hargraves mm-hmm. are going to be back at some stage as well. So they will be back to potentially full strength in the middle of the season so they could make a real run for it. Exactly. Um, all right, next question. Dahlia medalist. Oh. <laughs> Tough one. Uh, I feel like it might be Anthony Milford. That's what I'm going to go with this year. Anthony Milford. He was unreal last year um, and I feel like he's just going to be even better. I'm going with Anthony Milford too. Sorry, Kyra, yeah. I jumped in there. <laughs> No, that's all right. No, we'll. I, look, I don't know. It's really hard to tell. I, I hate these prediction segments. Yeah. So Sorry, like, oh, you look like a fool. You always look like a fool. But you know, we were talking a little bit before about um, Daily Cherry Evans. I think if he really does fulfil what Manly need of him, and they will be one of the most improved sides this year, just because of where they finished last year and the team they have this year. I think DCE could well be taking out the, the Daily M this year if he rises to the occasion, which is still yet to be seen. All right. Two more questions because I think we're running out of time. 
premieres? The Broncos. Yep. But that's just the easy prediction, isn't it? So I'm just not willing to yeah, say anything boring. else. Yeah, you're being just, boring. Yeah. Next, Kaya. <laughs> I think if any team can go back to back, it'll be North Queensland. I agree. There'll be a Queensland team in the final. Whether they'll win, uh, time will tell. But I think North Queensland are a chance of going, the, the biggest chance we've had in the last few seasons of going back to back. All right. I'm not allowed to change my stripes because I've already said it twice. For me, the Cronulla Sharks are going to win the premiership this year. <laughs> I get laughed out of town every single time I say that. This is going to be the year. This is the year. And last question, most important though, best hair for the year. Uh, I'm always jealous of Aaron Woods' do because he's got nicer hair than I do, so mm-hmm. it's just not fair, is it? No, life's not fair. Kaya? Mm-hmm. I'm with Aaron Woods. I think his hair has magical properties, both beard <laughs> and the full locks. I think it's Samson-like pro- properties. And I agree. If, uh, I've said that the before too. If the opposition has, you know, knows what's good for them, they'll be getting someone in there with some scissors to see what happens if it's gone. Well, I also said Aaron Woods and shout out to Blake Austin. His hair is awesome. And the beard. <laughs> oh, far out. Incredible. <laughs> All right. Well, Looking forward to uh, the NRL season and by the time we podcast next, uh, Parramatta will be sitting at the top of the table. Thanks, girls. (laughs) We'll take a quick break and then I'll come back and wrap it up. And as per usual, getting carried away talking NRL, but a big thanks, Pam, for coming in. It's been so much fun having you. So much fun to be here. Thank you for having me. And Kaya, loved having you on too. Can't wait to have you on through the year to talk NRL, cricket, all sorts of sports. Beautiful. Let's, let's go to footy. Yay. Go para. Uh, so that's episode three done and dusted. Uh, you've been listening to Mary Kay from Ladies Who Lead. Awesome.